An iconic Canadian landscape that has had untold generations live in and on it is under threat. A threat that was quietly announced but could leave catastrophic damage. And now the people living on those lands are rising up like their mountainous neighbours to try to stop industry and government. I'm Adam Toy. And I'm Dave McIver. And this is why. seem to come awfully early. But you forget all your troubles during the hour and a half drive west along the Trans-Canada Highway into the Canadian Rockies and world-famous Banff National Park. The Rocky Mountains have been an attraction in Canada since well before that 1962 travel video was created for the Calgary Convention and Visitors Bureau. Fourteen years after that film was made, Alberta Premier Peter Lougheed signed a coal development policy for Alberta, or just the coal policy, protecting much of the Rockies and surrounding foothills from coal mining. And the Friday afternoon before this past Victoria Day, the Alberta government announced it was replacing the coal policy with a new, more flexible one, opening the door to coal mining in the Rockies. Well, I mean, the fact is people from all over the world, um, you know, know the, the, the Rocky Mountains particularly in Canada. And the Rocky Mountains, I mean, they're referred to in National Geographic magazines as the crown of the continent. So it is an attractive place to come visit. And yes, it is in our back door. Sometimes we maybe take it for granted. But there are some extraordinary scenes and landscapes that I think that once they're gone, they're gone. You can't put the top of a mountain back on. That's Jill Croto. I'm a senior news reporter, a journalist for Global Calgary. So Jill, tell me what interests you about this story, about the change in coal policy. Well, I started doing some digging around probably about three weeks ago, and I realized how naive I was to the whole issue and thought, how did I, how do I not know enough about this? Realizing that this coal policy had been rescinded as far back as May. And once I started peeling back the layers, I realized I was just getting the tip of the iceberg with these day of news stories. The story has captured international headlines, and it's another mark on the reputation of the Alberta government, who some view as seeking profit over the environment and people. Some of the same people who put that government in power. People who Jill went to visit in southern Alberta along the eastern slopes of the Rockies. I mean, they feel completely betrayed. And that is not an understatement. They feel, I, I, I mean, our premier, Jason Kenney, I mean, he was quite popular in rural Alberta. But a lot of these people, I'm going to bluntly say, I, I feel like they're turning on him um, because they have lost faith. They've lost trust because they were blindsided by this. Nobody knew this was coming. There was absolutely no consultation. And that's really the key part of it is nobody asked them. Nobody said, you know, is it okay? What do you think if we take this 44 year old policy that has protected your property from coal mining, exploration and development, and now we're just gonna rip it up because we think it's out of date. You know, the blood, sweat and tears to have it undone and under threat is, it, it's, it's hard to fathom. For three generations, this stunning mountain vista has been home to this ranching family. It's why they're so fiercely protective of it. To say we've slept in the last uh, six, eight months, it, we lie awake thinking about it. You know, I can just imagine my, you know, my dad and my grandfather rolling over in their graves going, what in the heck is going on here? 
but they say an area the size of Switzerland has already been leased out for coal mines. And they're already exploring up there and they're already digging around and making roads. So it's coming. And, and it's going to be like the Elk Valley, but way, way, way bigger. Let's do a quick geography lesson for the folks listening. First, pull out a map of Canada. Take a look at the southernmost part of the BC-Alberta border, the part that slants to the right. A 15-minute drive along Highway 3 West from the border, and you're in the Elk Valley and the mining town of Sparwood. For the past 100 years, this has been the identity of the Elk Valley. Communities just beyond the BC border fueled by coal mines, an industry entrenched in the character of the people who live and work here. Mining has been here for so long. Are there impacts? Of course there are. But it's an accepted way of life here. Its prominence is overshadowed by something much more undeniable. The stunning scenery of the Rocky Mountains and striking a balance between them is far from perfect. There isn't a mining company in Canada that's going to go, hey, let's just see how much we can destroy today. We do it as in the most environmentally friendly way that we can. Until we find a replacement for metallurgical coal, that's the way it is. Sorry. But for those fighting to protect what's left, they're convinced coal development has hit a critical limit. It's part of an area that's often referred to as the crown of the continent. Right now, there's four existing mines in the middle of it. Uh, there's four mines proposed on the BC side and another four proposed on the Alberta side. When is enough is enough? Looking at the map of Alberta lands designated Category 2, those that are being opened up for mining, those lands contain the headwaters for many communities in Alberta. Calgary, the most populated city in the province, has rivers that run through protected provincial and national parks, and their water source is safe. But the water source of the nearby town of High River, Alberta, runs right through lands in question. Where High River sits, High River being right here, of course, in the Highwood River, our famous Highwood River, comes down through here. That's High River Mayor Craig Snodgrass showing a map of Category 2 lands to Calgary City Council. So that whole Highwood uh, River watershed uh, was all previously Category 2 where it says surface access subject to specific re restrictions. And that's where things get a little bit muddy right now is that um, in the previous coal policy, the... Uh, the wording in it, although it had never been done before, um, it was frowned upon to even talk about doing surface mining. The wording in it does leave a little bit of a gray area, which is what um, the UCP government is kind of climbing on now, is trying to sell that nothing has changed. The UCP caucus, the caucus that's in power in the Alberta government, launched a website of coal hard facts, trying to play down the possible effects of coal mining. It's a move that has largely been panned. But we are very concerned with any, any amount of mining coming up into this area. That is our watershed. We do not want to be the next Sparwood. Um, and even though it'll be decades down the road, um, that it would ever possibly happen. Uh, I'm not willing to wait and let somebody else deal with it. Now's the time to start pounding the table and to, uh, until, and to get this stopped. So that's why uh, our town council weighed in and, and made a request to Premier Kenny to uh, reinstate the 1976 coal policy so that we can have pro proper consultation. And Snodgrass isn't the only mayor who has voiced his concerns to the provincial government. Lethbridge, Nanton, Longview, Edson, Foothills County, Ranchlands County and Black Diamond have all spoken out. 
Municipal leaders in Crow's Nest Pass, on the other side of the BC-Alberta border from Sparwood, have been supporters of the Grassy Mountain Mine that is before an environmental review. That community has had coal as the engine to its economy for generations. But other generational enterprises are at risk. The Rocking Pea Ranch has been in the Blades family since 1900. Five generations have called this home. Their authentic Western way is in their blood. It's not only what we do, it's who we are. The homestead on the eastern slopes is now vulnerable to potential mining development. When the province removed a policy intended to protect it, without any public consultation, it felt personal. I don't know why the government doesn't think they have to listen to the people that are affected. And they can hardly imagine what those early generations would think of this land, now under threat. I would think... Grandpa. <laughs> they would be turning over in their graves. Hey everybody, uh, Corblund here. Happy New Year. Hope you're sane, hope you're healthy. Some folks that listen to my music, some ranching families in the foothills here in Alberta in the eastern slopes of the Rockies, and some people from out of province too, actually, have brought it to my attention that there have been some pretty sweeping changes, some pretty big changes to our coal policy in Alberta recently, uh, having to do specifically with open pit mining, also known as mountaintop removal coal mining, in something called Category 2 land, which is crown land that's uh, quite protected until now and quite pristine. And it's the size, I think they said it's the size of Jamaica. It's 1.5 million hectares anyway. That's Alberta country musician Corb Lund in a video he posted in mid-January. Corb Lund grew up in the eastern slopes. His family has been ranching in that area for almost a century. So his heart and soul is there. I mean, his career has really been built from his Alberta roots, those sort of West, country western roots. And to me, he took this story and got it up into the stratosphere. I feel like he was really the reason that people started paying attention um, to what is ha what the potential of these coal mines is happening. Shortly after Corb put that video on social media, musicians like Paul Brandt, Terry Clark, Jan Arden, and Katie Lang took to social media to call out the change to the coal policy. My name's Terry Grant. I'm better known as the Man Tracker. I'm doing this little video today because I am 100% against this coal mine. I do not want to see it come in and uh, I'm going to tell you why. The, the part that bothers me the most is I, I'm, I've learned a bunch about the coal mining and I, I'm very concerned that the land they're going to rip apart up there is it's, it's stuff that's kind of, you know, it's part of me. I grew up down there chasing cows and cowboying and guiding and hunting and chasing around that country. It's it's amazing country. You can't, they're not making more of it. Well, I feel like they've really been able to leverage their star power and bring this conversation to the table of regular ordinary people who don't live on these ranches or live along the eastern slopes. And they've brought this conversation, it, not just in the rural communities, but in the bigger cities because you know, sometimes these bigger cities don't really pay attention to what's happening, you know, um, in the Rocky Mountains. We just go to take it in. Um, but there's an incredible amount of eco-tourism there. And it's like you say, people aren't coming to our province to look at 
coal mine. They come to look at the mountains, so they don't want to destroy that. Remember how the provincial government released the news about the change in coal policy Friday afternoon before a long weekend without consulting citizens or municipalities? Well, it turns out the Alberta government gave industry lots of notice. Global News obtained a presentation by Capital Investment Partners, an Australian firm that owns a handful of coal companies with a number of leases in the Rockies. The July 2019 PowerPoint revealed to its investors the Alberta government is in the process of changing the coal policy to allow more open pit mining. They were not meeting with Albertans. They were meeting with industry and making a decision to rescind the policy. And that, to me, is morally and ethically wrong. David Luff helped craft the policy along with former Premier Peter Lougheed. He would be angry. He would be challenging the government today to be leaders, listen to all sides of an issue. What are provincial governments, those who have a bit more control over these policy changes, what are they saying? It depends on who you ask. Um, when I talk to some of the um, politicians uh, in the Elk Valley, they say, look, your debate isn't with the coal mines. It is with the provincial and the federal governments because they sort of dictate the regulatory process that allows these coal mines to operate. And you know, we, we talked to Energy Minister Sonia Savage about that, uh, at least we attempted to, um, but we're told that her schedule was too jam-packed to accommodate an interview. So we got a fairly robust statement and she made sure to articulate that her rescinding of coal policy was not, um, it didn't mean open season on coal mines, that there was still this really rigorous, strict regulatory process that would keep these coal mines in check. So I think that's a lot of what the politicians lean on. A recent Canadian press story said budgets for environmental monitoring and the Alberta Energy Regulator, the body that oversees regulatory approval for energy projects, have been cut. An independent analysis of government data showed rivers and creeks in the Rocky Mountain foothills east of Jasper, downstream from coal mines, were heavily contaminated with selenium. But like any issue, there are a balance of interests. We've heard from councillors from some of those towns that will benefit from these coal mines through jobs and income. But then you have ranchers and other people for whom their property is going to be forever soiled by these mines. Well, and that's sort of the striking that balance between environment versus economy. And really, I mean, according to at least the mayor of Sparwood, who we interviewed, he said without the coal mines, Sparwood would completely cease to exist as would Fernie. They, he said they might be, have a chance of surviving because they have a ski, hill, uh, a ski hill there. But these towns are completely reliant on the coal mines. Most of the people who live in Sparwood work at the coal mines, um, which is, you know, it wasn't popular, some of the questions that we were asking in town, um, you know, because this is their livelihood and we wanted to be respectful of that. But it's a little bit like the oil and gas industry in Alberta. You know, nobody who's working within this industry really wants to talk about it. So it was challenging to, to get that balance, um, to get the other side. We had, like I said, the, the Sparwood mayor, but then the Fernie mayor, he um, had recently left civic politics. He was saying that this is, that even though it wasn't a, a popular opinion, he knew that instinctively this wasn't the way to go, that we can't continue to keep damaging our landscapes and, and just ruining the environment. So it was hard to strike that balance. Um, I talked a lot to the Coal Association of Canada 
I made multiple requests to try and talk to them, to try and get their perspective. It was radio silent. I never even heard back from them. So trying to get that other piece of this puzzle to find out, okay, really, what are the benefits of having a coal mine? What, how much of an economic engine is this to the province? But that's the part of the story that we didn't really be, that we couldn't get at because the voices just weren't there. Nobody really wanted to weigh into this conversation on that side of it. And it's been the people's voices who have spoken out most strongly against the change in coal policy. They're so emotionally connected to their heritage, to their homestead, to a place that their fathers and their grandfathers came. And they or even their ancestors. Exactly. And they bear such an incredible responsibility to passing this on, to leaving the land more pure, more pristine than when they had it, and to make it prosperous. I mean, we're talking about these, these are our farmers and ranchers who are feeding the country. So, you know, their voices can't be ignored. It's not just like, oh, we want to be able to have our horses graze here and, and have our grandkids raise their kids and their kids and their kids. You know, it's more than that. And so it's personal. It's deeply personal um, to them when they weren't asked about any of this. So what's next? These folks are relentless. So they're not letting <laughs> the gas off the pedal, I can tell you that. Um, we'll know in about a month and a half uh, what is the outcome of this judicial review where these ranchers and First Nations folks have been taking these people to, have been taking the province to court in hopes of, of stopping this. And I mean, they're gonna take it a, a, as far as they can and our energy minister, Sonia Savage, environment minister, Jason Nixon, they say we're, that they're listening. So let's hope these voices just keep getting louder and perhaps something might change. I mean, I mean they're, they're really just hoping that this collective will of the people will force them to look at the bigger picture and realize, okay, maybe this isn't exactly what Alberta what Alberta wants, what Alberta needs, and how do we come up with some kind of compromise. If you want to see all of Jill's stories about the reaction to Alberta's change in coal policy, visit globalnews.ca slash Calgary and check out her series, Mining the Truth. This is Why is produced by me, Adam Toy, and Dave McIver. It's a national radio show and a podcast. You can reach us by email at thisiswhy at globalnews.ca and on Twitter at thisiswhy. If you like what you hear and want to hear more, make sure you subscribe to This Is Why so you never miss an episode. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your favourite podcasts. And if you like what you're hearing, tell a friend. Thanks for listening. Wash your hands, wear a mask, and stay home. We'll see you soon.